When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Drop your shoulders, take a breath, tune in to how you feel, because it's time to stretch. This season is here because of the support of Vitabiotics, our season four sponsor. From pregnant care to well kid, well woman and well man, they have a product range to support us throughout every stretch of family life. Welcome back to Stretch Marks Podcast with me, your host, Sinead O'Moore. This is the podcast that dives deep into the parts of life that can truly stretch us. The type of stretch that can leave permanent emotional, mental and physical marks, but instead of hiding them, we talk and together we grow. This podcast is not just about each guest. It's about every single one of you too. Each week, I post polls and question boxes on Instagram at Stretchmarks Podcast about the themes of each episode, bringing you all into the conversation and having your own experiences, thoughts, habits, beliefs and situations shared and saved to highlights. Go back and check them out and you'll see that whatever you're navigating right now, you are not alone. So episode one of season four, and I'm joined by a woman who is mid fourth trimester stretch. At the time of recording, Sinead Butler had given birth to her first baby just seven weeks ago. And while my first was six years ago, so much of this conversation still feels so raw to me. We talk about the perfect image of pregnancy that was so far from her reality. We talk about how even as a nurse, she felt so vulnerable because of the unknown. We talk about the emotional toll when breastfeeding didn't work out and the postpartum body we too often hide. Sinead had a massive response online when she shared her postpartum body, stretch marks and all, and a collective relief from women who finally saw online what they see every day. Recording this episode, I saw me in Sinead. I could feel that lump in her throat and the tears just on the edge of release as she tries to process the love the exhaustion, the physical repair and the reality of the fourth trimester stretch. If this conversation supports you at all, please support us back and hit subscribe, rate or review or share with other listeners tagging Stretch Marks podcast. Okay, here we go. Let's stretch. Sinead, thank you so much for joining me on Stretch Marks. We've just had 
a, a three, four, five minute little chat before we've been started, and I think I'm about to cry. <laughs> this is the emotions. For, oh, the emotions. This is for anyone who is very much either thinking about postpartum, is in postpartum, is in the whirlwind of those first few weeks. You're on week seven mm. of being a mommy. I know. And it is a stretch. Yeah, it's a stretch. It's a journey. And, you know, as I just said beforehand, I have learned so much about myself. Like, even before we had Molly, the journey of pregnancy and everything that goes along with it, um, it's just been a whirlwind. And I think mainly of emotions and tiredness, of course, as well. But amazing at the same time. What did you think it would be? As in postpartum? All of us, even into pregnancy. You know, Sinead, I like I obviously work in healthcare, so I have it still is hard. You know, it's very hard to be the patient. It's very hard to be on the other side when you know numbers, you know, digits, you know, blood pressures, all that. You're very much aware. Um, But I think like I always we always wanted to have children. Um, And I think beforehand, I kind of thought because I was always really into my training, my fitness um but that just all stopped like I had this image in my head that like oh I'll be able to like train through and stuff like that but I honestly found pregnancy so hard like I was so sick as well um I was sick up until 24 weeks and I was on tablets I was on the carbon the same as carbon so I I didn't realize how hard it would be I know some people don't suffer some people do so um I personally just found it very very hard um pregnant but then feeling feeling so guilty for feeling bad because I felt like god you shouldn't feel bad because you're so lucky to be pregnant as well so it's like a roller coaster of of emotions and so much things go through your mind it's so it's and it's so unique because as you said like not everybody's going to have that extreme feeling but yet it's the first time that you have to give in and realize your body is going to decide what it's going to do right from now on. Yeah. And, and you can't, you can't control what your symptoms are going to be, what your experience is going to be. And you kind of have to surrender. Yeah. And it's nearly like I found anyway, I know people say towards the end, the lack of sleep and you wake at a certain hour, it's your body's way of preparing you. But I found the whole, you know, journey of, cause I'm such a goer. I never sit down. I never stop. I'm always, I have to be busy. Like I'm that person who's always out and about, but it definitely made me slow down an awful lot. And I think, you know, obviously when you have your baby, your life changes as well. So it's nearly like when I look back now, it's like, God, it was nearly like preparation um, in another kind of way for what was to come. But you're also like, you're thrust into this feeling so excited and you're so grateful and you see that test turn positive and you imagine this styled nursery and just blissful like I know perfection and and then you realize oh no I my body actually has to grow a human yeah but the sickness for me was just a big thing and you know we spoke about this briefly um before we went live essentially and I you know and it's it's not to put blame on anyone you know it's just looking from the outside in I just feel like sometimes the world of social media and pregnancy is just like made to look so pretty and so easy when it's absolutely not and that's why I was so public about sharing everything when I did announce I was very like I wanted to keep it as long as I could um but I just 
was like, no, I can't train. I can't eat fish. You know, the smell of something completely turns my stomach. I'm going into work most days, most mornings. I'm trying to run a ward because that's what I do. I'm a ward manager and I, my head's in the bin most of the time. But like, that's not what you hear about enough. Um, so that's why I just felt really strongly about sharing the journey and that like it's hard. You know, you're so grateful, but it's definitely hard. And, you know, don't feel bad if you're not you know exercise inside the pregnancy I lived in McDonald's I lived off Big Macs and the salty chips it was all that would literally help the sickness and um, but you do feel pressure don't you that you know you have to live your best life and you have to keep active and you have to eat well but you're so sick it's so hard to do that so it was really important for me to just be open and honest about that journey and I know a lot of people kind of since have messaged me and said you know it's really nice to see the real side of things as well it can be really seen as like another measure of success. Yeah. Like here I am, I'm doing all of these things in my life. Oh, mm-hmm. and I'm pregnant. I know. You know yeah. I can still run my own business and I'm pregnant. I can still yeah. train and do whatever and I'm pregnant. I can yeah. still live my best life and travel all over the world and have these experiences in my beautifully styled bump and because I'm pregnant. I know. And for some people, it's like, I can't get off the couch and I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then when you're trying to hold down a full time job and when you're in the early stages of it as well. And, you know, like I, I did tell one or two people in work because I couldn't hide it. And, you know, you're walking onto a ward. There's a lot of smells in the morning. And, uh, you know, it was just oh, I, I was green walking around the place. So I'm sure a lot of people had kind of guessed it beforehand. Um, but yeah, I was like, I had to just tell one or two people um, because there's no getting away with it. And actually, I remember when I said it to one or two people in work, they were all just in agreement. They were just like, yeah, we, we all actually knew. We knew that uh, you were very, very sick. Um, but yeah, it's those early stages, like you said, when you can't get off the couch and you're trying to work, you know, hold down a full time job. And for anyone else then who has kids already at home, that blows my mind. It's like, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you grow a human and mind a small child at home as well? It's not so. easy. And I've, I've been there and where I felt like I was not enough if I were to say I'm finding this hard. Yeah. Like somehow it was not acceptable in this new era where women can do it all and be it all that I could put my hand up and say, hi, I'm pregnant and I have a two-year-old. And as it happens, we were in the middle of the pandemic and we had no childcare and I had a full-time job at home and I was losing my mind. And that's, oh, she can't cope. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of expectation on women nowadays and it's only from reading things about pregnancy and breastfeeding and all those kind of things that, you know, back in the day, per se, women weren't trying to pay a big mortgage. You know, they weren't, as we spoke about, trying to pay for childcare for another child. Um, they weren't trying to maintain a house. There was a lot more support. Like, you know, they had I'm, neighbors. They had neighbors. And I, I'm living away from my mom and dad. And Eamon's family are quite far away as well. Um, and you're trying to do it all on your own. So it's hard nowadays. Um, but I think it's so important to just be vulnerable and be vocal and, and ask for help um, for sure. So seven weeks in, mm. power band stopped. <laughs> yeah, heart burn has stopped. Yay! <laughs> you know, when I was in the throes of it and Molly was nearly out, her head was dangling. You know, the way they just leave the head first. And uh, there was a lot of people in at that stage. And um, I remember 
I was midwife for the doctor said to me, your baby has loads of hair. Do you want to feel? And I was like, no, my legs were up here. Her head was dangling. There was like, I was like, no, just get, get it out. Because at that stage, I didn't know still if it was a boy or a girl. Um, but yeah, it was. And you're also done. Like you're so emotionally, physically, energetically spent. Yeah. The don't ask me questions right now let's just finish the job please I don't want to feel the hair just please just please get it out um was labor as you expected or how how did it all I, I'm so always so interested as well how did it yeah. kick off for you because I'm yeah. so intrigued about like how did you know okay it's go yeah. time so um I went public and I was midwifery led and yeah yeah, I'm in NACE so I was in Hollis Street as well so my GP was the go-to in between so I was going up to my I was going to my GP up until I'd say 38 weeks um now I was getting really impatient towards the end um but the whole experience for midwifery led and everything like that was amazing Mm -hmm. like they're second to none um but it was coming to, I think it was a 38 or 39. It's funny, I can't even remember now. I should have wrote it all down. Um, and I had a lot of cramps, um, but they were mild cramps. And I was like, God, these are contractions are actually all right. Like, <laughs> absolutely clueless. And um, I was having cramps and I was getting headaches. So I went in myself with Eamon reluctantly and I just got examined. And I think it was around 39 weeks. And the midwife's in there. She's like, do you want me to give you a sweep? I was like, yes, 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 please. I'll take a sweep, I'll take anything. So she's like, we've done that anyway, just go about your day walking, et cetera, et cetera. Also, how awful are sweeps? Have you had one? I I I think I had one in labor. Like I was yeah. the progression had slowed. Mm. So I think someone came in and there was kind of a discussion whether I should have some um of the 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 not the, you know the not oxytocin, the fake oxytocin to kind of yes. like move it along. Too but I was too yeah. far along for the epidural anyway there was a bit of discussion and all of a sudden something happened yeah and I was like what was that oh my god well the first one actually wasn't that bad so I went I went about my day anyway and I think I was going in on the the next week I was week 40 and I was just going in for a routine checkup and that was actually with a reg this time a doctor and um, I asked for a second week because I'd had cramps on but nothing was really happening she gave me the second sweep and oh my days like I literally was nearly faint I was Eamon was bringing me home I was like oh my god that was awful I was like this definitely has to work that was that was the strongest one ever so we went home and like that like pains were starting again I was like oh they're sore but like it's doable um and um I think it was 48 hours after that second sweep yeah it was 48 hours um pains had started but then my waters had broke so I rang them. I was like, I was, I was really sure. Like there was a lot of stuff happening down there, but I was like, I'm 90% sure um, my waters have broke. So um, they brought us in and we were in there and she's like, yeah, they broke, but there's secondary membrane, which I didn't know. Yeah. So they broke that. Who knew? Who knew? Who Two knew? waters. And I had done midwifery placement as well, but they yeah. broke the secondary waters. And she was like, give it a half an hour, give it a few hours, do loads of walking. The pains might start. And she said, then we'll get you back down to the labour ward. And 30 minutes later, oh, Sinead, I was like, if anyone recognised me, I was a demon. Those pains. Mm-hmm. And the midwife kept saying, the first baby is the hardest, the first. I was like, please stop. This is not me. helpful. This is not, not helpful. helpful. 
Yeah, um, because you have to do a lot of work to get to a certain stage for the cervix to move around and all that. So that was nine till about five that evening that I was in throes of it. Eamon was holding me down in the shower because I couldn't get pain relief. And then I took Pethidine and eventually I got down there and I got that famous epidural and it was life, like absolute life. Isn't it just amazing? Yeah, the poor um, anaesthetic Reg, he came down and he started going through the risks. And I was like, I don't want to know the risks. (laughs) I'm a nurse. I don't want to know. Um, but then it was fine. Like it, it just, I, it was a dream for me to get that. So I was really kind of open about taking whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came like few hours later. So it was great. Like I was happy with how it went. You know that yeah, kind of way. Yeah, yeah. As it goes, it was yeah. as good as it could be. And I think I can, I can look back on my births and and be very grateful to say the same because I I know that for some, but it is long and and yeah, I. I think we are as women underprepared for how to manage the duration that's expected yeah. Yeah. Um, to kind of emerge the other side of such an experience in any other context of life. You would be wrapped up in cotton wool and placed in a, in a solitude room oh, I know. for endless amounts of sleep and rest. But yeah. no, you are, you know, you're asked, do you want to feel the baby's hair? <laughs> because yeah, I know this is it now you're you're in You're. I know. But the pains are like, and I, I remember seeing something on Instagram before that it's equivalent to 20 fractures happening at the one time in the body. Oh, like they were, I found them really, really hard. Um, there's nothing. And then you forget, like you do forget. I forget. Like I, yeah. I know, I know, but I've forgotten mm. as well. Yeah. Like I do know, I know what I felt. I also know that instantly I was so incredibly proud of my body for what it had done. Yeah. It, it was such a weird euphoric moment, especially when the baby came out. I, I, I still remember that feeling. Were you stunned for a little while? Because I was definitely stunned. I remember on my first crying, like deep. I've never cried like it. I've never, like this wasn't kind of, a gentle tear at a movie this was yeah. from the soul of my body I cried like mm. it it erupted and it was love and yeah. pain and relief and exhaustion and pride and fear like but it was like what you said like you turned into a demon when you were like you know when you went full feral in the pain yeah it was the crying equivalent of that. Like it just yeah. came up like from, I could just say from my soul. I don't know where yeah. it came from. Yeah. And I just cried and cried and cried, but I felt my body be plugged into this drug. Like it was like, and it is, it's, I don't know, they say it's like a surge of, of serotonin or whatever, yeah. that feeling when it's over. Yeah. That my body really took all of that on. Yeah. And that yeah. is addictive. That that to me, I'm like thinking back on that going like, oh yeah, if they could, if they could bottle that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I need more of that in my life. I'd go through labor again for, for that. Feeling. Now it's about 30 seconds long, but still. <laughs> Short and sweet. I didn't quite have it on my second. Um, and I was anticipating it and expecting it and kind of almost looking forward to it. And throughout the labor, kind of managing myself, being like, that's coming, that feeling is coming. Um, and at the moment that she was born, there was a couple of things. One, she had the cord around her neck. And I remember just immediately. Now, she was Emergency. fine. 
she was fine um, and it was very it was dealt with straight away but just even those words I remember my body was back in the room like I was conscious I was alert and I didn't have that very kind of soul led feeling of just release yeah because I was like yeah I was in threat mode I was like what's wrong yeah fight or flight yeah yeah Uh, and I definitely think that that blocked something and I think I stayed probably in that state for quite a while definitely for a few days after and it was also COVID and there was all the restrictions and everything so I I don't think I had that release feeling actually until we stepped into our home until we got home I can't even imagine what it was like for women through COVID like going through there were some crazy crazy stories like awful awful sad stories and especially not having your partner in and things like that like I I think that just must have been crazy crazy Section induction, vaginal emergency at home, in hospital, or maybe even on the way. No matter how you birthed, no matter how it happened, no matter how long or quick, early or late, birthing your baby is a massive physical, emotional, mental and hormonal stretch. And now is not the time to stop looking after you. Life as a new mother is intense. So while you focus on your baby's needs, make sure you have a support system around you and continue to take nutritional support. Pregnicare New Mum was created to specifically support you after birth with iron B6 and B12 to help reduce tiredness and fatigue and biotin and zinc to help maintain normal hair and skin. And there is Pregnicare Breastfeeding, a carefully balanced expert formula that brings together the key nutrients needed specifically for the breastfeeding period with DHA, which supports normal brain and eye development in breastfed infants, plus calcium, vitamin K and D and magnesium, which contribute to the maintenance of normal bones. With 50 years of innovation in nutritional science, Vitabiotics has been pushing boundaries to help our families feel at their best. With products to suit all stages from preconception, pregnancy, postpartum and family life, with Pregnicare, well kid, well woman and well man, Vitabiotics has created a product to suit every stretch of family life. Vitabiotics want to look after you through their supplemental range and by supporting this season, of stretch marks. Food supplements must not replace a varied and balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle and you should always consult your doctor or pharmacist before using. Thankfully it is behind us. Yeah. Um, tell me about getting home. Getting home was so I was just I really wanted to to get out of the hospital because Same. you know, don't sleep like um and at the time I was like in the throes of obviously trying to figure out this breastfeeding um and you're at the stage where your milk is starting to come in and you're feeling very very sore and full um all along I was like I'm gonna breastfeed I'm gonna breastfeed I'm gonna breastfeed I did the course all this kind of stuff um I bought all the things that you need to buy or whatever. And um, after she was born, the midwife put her on and she just wasn't latching. And I was like, God, like this is, why is this working? Um, and I didn't know what way to hold her. Like it was all very awkward. They were very, very busy that weekend. It was bank holiday weekend. And it's always the weekends are busier in hospital because let's be honest, there's less staff. Um, and I went down to the postnatal ward afterwards and I was so exhausted 
my head was just and I was like you know what let's just give her the bottle um and we obviously decided to give formula the next day you know the midwives are kind of asking what are you going to do and I was like well I want to breastfeed next day was crazy busy again um no fault of their own and I was like look whenever you get half an hour 20 minutes to come back you know just to sit with me and try this um and I think the day just ran away on us and I think it was that night the second night Eamon left I don't know what it is about night two. Oh my god you're just like very very teary and emotional and wrecked and the come down mm-hmm. so that midwife that night then in fairness she sat down with me and like she was she was there she was on but like nothing was happening I was like what what like this is just not working um it went on then the next day then another midwife came in and in fairness she sat down with me and she hand expressed colostrum um because I was like if I can't do anything at least I can do this and I sat there for I'd say an hour and she did that for me I was raw I was very sore afterwards but I was like I feel like we've done that at least um the guilt that I wasn't being able to do it and I know your supply is very low anyway at the early start so it's not like you're going to have a lot of milk there to start off with um and then I spoke to her we went through a lot of things and she was like maybe start with expressing but everyone kind of seemed to have a different idea about what to do. Um, she went through expressing with me and then that was a bank holiday. So there's no lactation consultant there. And I wasn't waiting to another night. I just wanted to get home. Um, so we, we got home, carried her and he was fine, sat in the back and came home and was still him and on. I had the pump upstairs. And it was just mixed emotions about everything. And um, the public health nurse then kind of, LinkedIn with me the next day and I was just tears and everything like that and I was like you know what? I'm just going to make a decision now that I'm going to go with um formula and it still hurts my soul to say that it's still it's still really hard I don't know what it is it's um I feel like maybe if I'd had more support it might have worked um but it's just it's hard isn't it like it's it's making that um, decision and I think that definitely attributed to my mood afterwards like the guilt oh the guilt um I just feeling like she wasn't getting the best which sounds so silly but that's what was going on in my head um so yeah and the public health nurse was great when she linked in she kind of said um you know, now is the time if you do want to breastfeed to you know there's a period of time isn't there before your milk kind of dries up um but no one talks about the boobs thereafter like those days when you are so full um I remember standing upstairs in the shower crying my eyes out because I just was in so much pain and then I was still in like do I breastfeed do I bottle feed um and then not knowing what to do with these boobs you know only for my mum was like put something tight on them wear a really tight sports bra um and get cabbage leaves and all that kind of stuff so I just found the days after Sinead so hard like oh I feel you and I see it in you like even when you say the word formula yeah your your face yeah your face changes your face changes when you say the word formula like it's this bad thing that you've done and it's only seven weeks in and to feel like yeah you're not giving her the best I know it sets you up and I and it's not fair it's not fair and it's not right. And it's, yeah. we can't expect 
to under prepare women so much mm. like as you said even to, like here we are women in our 30s not knowing well, what do I do with my boobs after I give birth yeah yeah mad like you know Dr. Like Google, what, that how little do we know about our lives how little do we know about our bodies how little do yeah. we know do you know what I feel like there's so much focus on you know the prenatal and stuff like that on the baby but there's very little thereafter for mum you know I think that was that's definitely something that I've I've found um you know and I'm very lucky that I have a good relationship with my mum but you know or a family member that you can disclose or ask these things to um but that's definitely something like the fourth trimester is real isn't it like the tears and, and it's it's the time I feel you're most abandoned like there's a yeah. there's a week by week app for when you're you've yeah. just weed on a stick you're being yeah. like totally minded and I just feel like it's like the world is so about okay how do we get this baby safe but the thing that keeps the baby most safe once it's born is the health of the mother yeah your yeah. mindset your protection your support how you feel yeah. about you has a much bigger impact on how that baby is supported throughout its yeah. entire adolescence and yeah. that begins the moment the baby is born and whether that is having the right support and education on breastfeeding but also to release any stress or guilt or shame associated, yeah. associated with not breastfeeding yeah yeah and you know I had said to you before we started like it's the most asked question and it absolutely drives me crazy um, I was somewhere a few weeks ago and the way the question is posed, are you breastfeeding? It's not like you can get out of it. It's, you know, some people say, oh, how's the feeding going? Yep, it's going great. You don't have to get into it. But it's the most direct question. Um, And I just think, like, does it matter? 2023, baby's fed, baby's happy. What is the big thing still on? What do you think they're, they're asking you so that they can pile judgment on you? Or do you think they're yeah, asking like, you because they're breastfeeding or trying to? Yeah. And are also caught in a cycle of because you feel like so we talked about you feel like a failure because you made the decision not to or or or, or really felt you couldn't. Mm. I know women locked in a cycle of feeling failure because they are trying to with perceived failure. Like yeah. they're also struggling f seven weeks in, and it's yeah. like baby's not putting weight on my supply isn't yeah. going up. I've got mastitis, all yeah. these things that you're like. Mm. In, in your head and behind closed doors mm. so I, I definitely had a lot of people ask me if I was doing it because they had questions that no caregiver was giving them yeah and I know like that is an open conversation but this person okay who I knew was quite an advocate and was yeah. doing it a long time say um so the minute the question came up I felt like I had to tell her my whole story and I I was there and I was like Shane, what are you doing like you don't have to get into it but like this is the thing it's like why do we feel but anyway that's to justify yeah that's that's the big thing that I've learned already even is this mom mom guilt um but it's it's just a really big topic and it's something that um oh it's just really triggered me afterwards and you know it's it's just it's it's the only question that seems that people people ask and people do mean well I know that and I know to talk about certain things is really good um but it's just a hot topic and I still feel this day and age like someone said to me on Instagram they sent me a really nice message they said um 
you know, we all say breast is best, but fed is best because your baby's happy, you're happy, um, you know, everyone's happy. Um, but yeah, it's just been a thing for me now afterwards. And like even sometimes if I see people stay on the street or in a shopping centre and they're breastfeeding and I'm looking I'm like, wow, how does, how are you able to do it? It just looks so easy, but I it's not that easy for everyone either. Um and that's the important point that you made when you were pregnant. You were looking at people still, you know, going about their lives, going to the gym. And you're like, how is that so easy for them? And I think it's the same for breastfeeding. I think there's this, mm. again, perceived image that you just place baby on your boob and all of a sudden it's done. It's a learned skill, but and both people have to learn it. Yeah. It's not just you. Baby actually has to learn the technique. Yeah. And it's it's a really distressing time because you're completely exhausted. Your hormones yeah. are going through hell because they don't know what's going on and your baby is crying you're and and there's nothing like that sound of a hungry baby to make you feel like you're not good enough yeah yeah there's nothing like that and you know what which cry is which it's weird you have that intuitive thing where you know you know it's a whinge or like a whine for like just a cuddle versus I am starving yeah feed me now feed me and fix this yeah fix this and that's not the time to be learning Mm. that's not the time to be learning the different like how do I hold or what yeah it's the most stressful time the most stressful time yeah and even on my second I was I was in that place Mm. and I was re and I was really close to saying I can't do this and I had done it before so I think that there's just too much expectation placed on that moment Mm. and really that's the time when we need it for those that are choosing for those that do want to yeah have endless support available to them not just when you have a moment would you mind yeah because that's just that just doesn't work for everybody but also more education on what's happening to your hormones when you are not feeding yeah you know yeah we talked about like what do I do with my boobs and the bra but also understanding that a lot of those tears are also associated with the hormone dial down of your milk body major milk your body major milk and I don't want to like I'm not a lactation consultant but speaking to them I now have figured out even when you're weaning at a later stage like if you're weaning your baby weeks or months later the dialing down of your body making milk equals tears wow yeah like and I weaned my my child and I was like a mess like I was just crying all the time for yeah. for no rational reason and a lactation consultant was like yeah that's that's your body's hormone changing like your body's not making milk anymore don't like don't don't think that you're just now an, an upset woman you're not yeah, like you're your yeah. your hormones are, are doing what they're doing and you're like oh my god why why don't I know that yeah yeah because I would be gentler with myself mm-hmm. if I'd known that yeah yeah the tears are real like afterwards and you know um I just I I really was like god maybe I'm going to suffer from postpartum postpartum depression I was very much aware of it um and I because I just felt like no one really talks about the tears either um and then like that it's like whenever I share something like this or I shared you know the tears the amount of people and even in my group of girls, um, 
you know, they had said, yeah, like we've gone through that. And I was like, God, like I didn't know. But at the time I hadn't got a baby, but, you know, I was very open about it with all my my friends and even some friends that don't have um, children. And I was very open about how I was feeling and the emotions. But I, I really found that hard because you're really low, but you don't know why you're low. And you're also really grateful. So it's just that afterwards is really hard. Um, and, you know, it's just I think the, the most important thing there is like having that cry because you actually do feel 10 times better but it's just a mixture of everything isn't it exhaustion hormones and the life change that's just happened yeah your body your body went through as well I think we forget that the act of labor yeah your body went through trauma that it doesn't understand mm-hmm. like if the pain you would experience through any other thing you'd still be crying seven weeks later yeah because your body's still in shock yeah and yeah. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional support that's needed for us to kind of get over the act of labor, get over, you know, that just that physical nature of what happened. A human left your body. Like it's a bit of a big deal. And to be sent home and you just kind of feel like, how, how do I resolve that now? Yeah. How do I, how do I shake that out of my body I know but there's physical recovery as well like you know if you have a section you know whichever whichever way you know you have your baby um it's there's a lot of physical recovery and you're not getting sleep to deal with that as you would normally like surgery or like having a stint in hospital you know we say to all our patients pain relief loads and loads of rest um you know all these kind of things and like that's not what you're doing you're not getting any sleep and you're all over the place um like it's just such a roller coaster oh my god it really is a really powerful post that you shared which kind of showed the reality of the postpartum body and loving yourself through it instead of instead of comparing and instead of living by these again filtered angled you know vortexes that aren't real actually showing this is postpartum this is my body this is building a human this is becoming a mother it had such a massive reaction because it's just so needed it's just so absent I genuinely didn't think that that would explode the way it did um I just felt really strongly about after afterwards about showing and it was not like I was ever going to do that um because I actually would believe it or not be kind of quite private about personal things and you know different things like that but I suppose the journey of pregnancy definitely taught me to be you know I saw how much it was helping other women and I I just felt strongly about that afterwards um I didn't intend on doing that post where it started was um I think it was a couple of nights after she was born I just shared a picture of my stretch marks and like that like so many women were like oh my god I was like what like like this is normal and they're here and there's lots of them and they'll be here forever and um when I shared about the breastfeeding you know bottle feeding um again people are like god this is just so good to see because it's not what you usually see online or people aren't always as open and honest and then um yeah I just decided to post um that picture and obviously your boobs are just leaking for days afterwards um so you are wearing those pads you're just wearing comfort 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 um and 
um, the tears then obviously afterwards. Um, but I was like, this is what it is. Like, um, it's, and you know, anyone who doesn't show that or anyone who doesn't talk about it, like they are all going through that as well. Um, it's not like anyone has it together. They definitely don't. But um, I just think it's so nice to see a bit of real realism. Um, because let's face it, like we all do spend a lot of time on Instagram and it doesn't really, including me, it doesn't do me good sometimes. Um, so I just love to see a little bit of like, oh, yeah, this is hard or this is how I'm feeling. Um, but I genuinely didn't expect it to blow up as much as it did. Um, but it was it was great that, you know, it did help so many people and it helped me as well because people mm-hmm. were like, yeah, it's normal. It's yeah. normal. And I think that we glorify the pregnant body. And we yeah. kind of treat it a bit goddessy as it should be. I mean, it is yeah. it is miraculous, but it's like the minute that baby's out, it's like, yeah, <laughs> what do we do with this? Yeah, with this and exterior for the rest. Yeah. Like, and it's just it's like hide it. We don't want to see it. The world doesn't want to see actually the battle scars. Yeah. You know, we have to keep it in this realm of of like mm-hmm. serenity, and it's like. Yeah no this is this is what it is this is actually what it looks like yeah and like I had this total misconception in my head again that like oh once the bump is gone now I'll fit into my clothes but look no that's not the case and like you know I I shared recently about jeans and stuff like that but like yeah I'm sizing up like I'm not fitting into my jeans like I might look like I'm dressed up or look nice or whatever but like none of my clothes are the same you know as what they were before and like that as well just being like for me that was really important as well it's like no I'm not the same shape I'm not the same size um and that's okay like you know like just embrace it with you can if you can but it's hard afterwards isn't it you just you know you've been through the whole nine months and you kind of feel like oh I just kind of want to get back to myself but it's not it doesn't happen like that no way Jose it doesn't it doesn't happen like that and nor like nor should we expect it to in a in a way like I think I think it's brilliant what you're doing and I I wish it wasn't such a surprise mm. you know to think that we can grow our bodies to the to the state where it can have like a healthy person leave mm. it and the whole thing of like bouncing back instead of embracing the person you've grown into yeah you know yeah. everything about you has grown yeah not just your not just your gene size everything about you has grown when it comes to your capacity to to have those painful surges your capacity to deal with the the overwhelming guilt the the capacity to to survive on no sleep because you're fueled by this like obligation and love like everything about you has grown yeah and all we want to do is to shrink yeah to who we were I know we're so hard on ourselves aren't we like in every way in every way yeah yeah and that's even why I named this stretch marks because it was like it has grown us and it's uncomfortable and it leaves things behind that we don't always like looking at or we don't love about ourselves um but we all have them somewhere Yeah. yeah and something has happened to everybody that has made us grow and maybe if we could see on the other side of that that actually yeah the new people we're growing into or the people we're supposed to be and that should should receive that um that goddessness that we give yeah and I think the pregnancy. Just, 
it's motherhood as well, isn't it? It's setting you up on like your whole focus and your whole mindset changes. And at the end of the day, the most important person is is your baby. Um, and so much things change. Like, you know, even I know I spoke briefly about childcare and your stories were amazing the way you were posting. And like, unfortunately, before your baby is born, it's something that you have to consider. Um, but definitely there's that change in your mindset that like, you know, career temporarily might just you know, it might be your main focus. And I think that's all part and parcel of, as you mm-hmm. say, growing into yourself and becoming that new person. Um, and you're you're meeting yourself. They all, you know, I love the phrase that, you know, when the day your baby is born, two people are born. Yeah. Yeah. You've never met mother you before until that moment. No. And you have to get to know you too. Mm. And what do you, what, where are your values now? What are your priorities now? How do you want to, live the next year the next two years it doesn't have to be the rest of your life it's just about this really unique little moment in time where you're going from the person you were to the person you are um the fourth trimester matrescence that complete transformation from woman to mother and go slow and be okay with I used to love doing that and I don't really like doing that this week that's okay. You might next month. You don't know. Yeah. You know, and just, just go slow. That's, and don't, don't feel like you have to be the person you were and have a baby. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, those days where, and I still have them, um, you know, you might just want a PJJ and that's okay too. Um, you know, everyone's different and it's important to have those down days as much as it is getting out and about and like you know I'm always so conscious about what I share as well online because it's just a snippet in time it's just a moment in time um, and it's just so important to never ever compare yourself because you know they might have the perfect life and everything might look gravy it's not it never is um, but I just feel so strongly on the whole the whole idea of being vocal and sharing it because I know it really does help um, it does help so many people as well so seven weeks in, how do you think you are? Oh my God, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, no, I am good. Like it's tough. Um, and I think the biggest, the biggest thing for me that I've learned is, or that I found is not having family immediately close by. I've definitely found that like a little bit isolating, um, you know, on those days where she just won't settle for no reason. Um, they're the hard days, aren't they? Especially when um, like if Eamon's working and he's gone for like fourteen hours in the day, um, so that's tough. Um, but you know it's a bad day, and then thankfully the next day might be okay. Um, and like your relationship, it's hard on your relationship sometimes as well. Um, the lack of sleep, you know, bickering, the washing building up, like the house just becoming, you just everything just changes. Um. But yeah, like still learning and still processing everything. Um, and it is only seven weeks. Um, but I'm good. Like I love every single second of it. Um, but it's definitely it's hard. Like let's let's be honest. Thank you so much for being okay with saying that it is hard. You know, you can love your baby and not love every part of this phase of your life. Because it is really, it's so challenging. 
And I think the first gift that we can give ourselves is just accepting that it is so hard. Yeah. And there are going to be days where we feel like we're not getting anything right at all. And days that are like, wow, that was so easy and magical. And then then the next day it's gone again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like short lived. Yeah, no, I totally get that. It is. It is hard. And let's talk about how hard it is because it is hard. But you're being honestly, your your openness is supporting so many women who are feeling that isolation, um, feeling that isolation in a world that makes it look easy and perfect and beautiful and everything you wished it could be. And it's like, nope, <laughs> that's not what it is. It's not no. what it is. It'll stretch you further than you ever thought possible. And I'm like, she's not even walking yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the fun begins. She's not even double digits in weeks yet. No, she can't even talk back. You've, you, mm. there's, there's so many stretches to come, but just take it in your stride and keep talking. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank you. No, no, thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to Sinead for trusting me with her story. If you've been supported by this episode, get in touch with us at Stretchmarks Podcast and our guest at Sinead Butler on Instagram. And I'll talk to you again next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.